This podcast is brought to you by Likeable Media. At Likeable Media, we create, curate, and promote content that gets your brand results. So contact us today by visiting likeable.com. All the social ladies, 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 all the social ladies. Now put your phones up. Welcome to All the Social Ladies with CEO of Likeable Media, Carrie Kerpin. Now, Carrie Kerpin. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of All the Social Ladies. I'm Carrie Kerpin, CEO of Likeable Media, and today I am here with Daniela Nabucco. Daniela is the Senior Manager of Digital and Social Marketing at my favorite brand and my kids' favorite brand, Go Go Squeeze Delish, best applesauce ever. She oversees digital strategy, content creation, and social media community management for the popular healthy kids snack brand with a focus on engaging consumers in the social and digital realms. At Go Go Squeeze, Daniela has built a large and engaged social fan base. We'll learn all about how. And she's continuously worked to convert new consumers to the brand through various digital initiatives. I'm so excited to have her here today. Welcome, Daniela. Hi, Carrie. So excited to talk to you. I'm so excited to have you here as well. And I know that you have heard many, many a story of how much my kids love Go Go Squeeze. It is awfully delicious and they take it with them everywhere they go. Portable fabulousness. Yes. Awesome. We love to hear that. Yay. Okay. So (laughs) tell me a little bit of the story of your career and how you got to be where you are today. Sure. Um, So I would kind of like to say that it all started in my college dorm room as many of these social media stories do. Um, So I had a lot of friends in college, and now I'm going to totally give away my age, that were going to Ivy League schools, and they all had uh, Facebook accounts. And I was totally fascinated by these accounts and how they were making new friends before they even started school. And I was almost kind of jealous because my school didn't have Facebook yet. Um, so I was actually asking a couple of them if I could use their account because not because I wanted to meet random people that I I didn't know at their school, but I just really wanted to understand how this was working and how their college experience was going to differ from mine. Right. Um, so I kind of logged in, I saw how everything worked and I, I was just really hoping that they would get it at my school. So I emailed Facebook probably like 10 times (laughs) asking them, please, go on, on Facebook. Um, you know, all my friends at other schools are really benefiting from it. They're, you know, meeting all these amazing people that they wouldn't necessarily come in contact with um, in the day-to-day at school. So actually, within a month of me starting, um, they added Facebook for my school, and I was super excited, and I wish I had worked for them because I was, like, basically telling everyone that I knew to sign up. Did you totally feel like directly responsible for your school's uh, bringing on a Facebook? That's pretty big. I would like to say so because I was kind of harassing them about it. Daniela, I'm crediting you with it. I love it. (laughs) You did it. I love it. And you also might have been one of the world's first Facebook lurkers. I really like that you were on Facebook pre-being on Facebook. It's very good. Exactly. Exactly. So I was super excited about it. And I, you know, I told like everyone in my dorm and it was actually a great way of meeting people and learning names because 
especially when you start a new school, you're just meeting so many different people and you don't necessarily remember who they are or how you met them. And it was just a really great way of getting to know people. Um, so over time, you know, for four years, it was more of a networking tool for schools. And then when I graduated college is when the Facebook pages for business started coming out. Perfect timing. Perfect timing. Yeah. And I had a psychology degree. Um, so I was super interested in, you know, why people do the things that they do, what motivates them and their behavior. And I also had a lot of experience and in internships, um, in doing marketing. So it just kind of felt like I was meant to do social media because it was a strong mix of the two things I was interested in. And I always had this early fascination with social media. Um, so from there, I started working at a technology company that was focused in the travel space. And they were trying to figure out, you know, what would make sense to connect with people all over the world um, and promote the product. So we kind of started playing around with Facebook and seeing how it would work. Um, also, Twitter was, you know, starting out then. So yeah. that's kind of was my first dip in the water with social media for a business. And so what was next? So from there, I went over to the agency side. I started working for a small agency in Florida that focused on local businesses. And there I was really able to get a good grasp on social and digital and what goes into building a brand or a business online. Um, and, you know, the owner kind of took me under his wing. He showed me how to do the ins and outs of online marketing. Um, so it was a really, really great experience. From there, I moved to New York um, and I started working for Go -Go Squeeze, which is... That's a big move to go from Florida to New York. Were you just yeah. ready? Was it something you always wanted to do? Yeah, it's. it wasn't something I always wanted to do, but I just kind of felt like it, there wasn't... The opportunities weren't there for me in Florida and I just felt like New York was calling my name. So it was just a matter of literally packing up a suitcase and seeing... <laughs> It would all work. and I love it. Yeah. Luckily, it, it's worked out so far. That's awesome. And so you came over to GoGo -Go Squeeze, and you were running their social and digital? Yeah. So I've been there for the past four years. Um, and really, when, when I started, we started on a really, really small team. It was actually five of us. Um, we were in this tiny, tiny room in, in the Flatiron area. And we were just trying to figure out, you know, how do we make this brand as big as it is? Because it's a, it's a French company and the brand is huge in France. Like you don't see a kid without a, a go-go squeeze pouch. It's, it's called pompots in France, but you don't see a kid without one in France. So they kind of felt like there was something special about it. And if it could be so successful over there, maybe it might have a chance in the U.S. So they love it in France and you're here and you're in a tiny office. And you're figuring out how to make this work in the U.S. Now, of course, from an outsider perspective, just a mom with kids, this brand has now become huge. What did you do to get it there? So because we were so small and we had really limited budget and resources, the things that we thought would be the most beneficial to us, just based on you know how much money we had to spend, were experiential and social. Um, because they weren't as as costly as doing a big advertising campaign. And we could, you know, test and learn different things and see how it worked. So 
at the time, you know, Facebook wasn't so focused on advertising. It, it certainly was a part of it, but you could do a lot more things organically and have a bigger impact. Um, and events, you know, we were actually talking to people. We were making sure that the word of mouth was coming through. So it was a great opportunity to get the product in the hands of the right people. And hope we were just hoping that the combination of those two things were going to lead to a bigger success for the brand. And so just experiential and social. And how did it work? How did you learn what worked and what didn't? It was just a lot of trial and error. Whenever we made these decisions of what we wanted to do, we, we always made sure that it wasn't going to cost too much money. That was right. always like the big topic. Don't spend too much money, but try this out and see what happens. So a lot of like building our Facebook community was just doing um, different sweepstakes and contests and trying to get the community built up. So one of our first contests was just the cutest, you know, kid picture contest, um, just to kind of get some interest. And it seems so simple now, um, but it really helped us start a conversation and build a community. And then over time, we would just, you know, have more and more promotions. Um, we were never giving away, you know, like an iPad or something like that. It was always the products because we always just wanted the product to get into the hands of the people that we were targeting. Um, so in terms of events, you know, we were going to events where we thought that our potential brand lovers would be at. So we focus on, um, not only just moms, but people that are taking care of kids. So that can be a grandparent, it could be an aunt or an uncle, a babysitter. So really being at those events where we thought that those people would be. And so I would imagine that the immediate play was awareness, right? So you were looking to really raise awareness. This was reach more important to you when judging the success than engagement or was it all important? Like how did you weight that and what did you truly see as success for a, you know, your social campaigns? I think it was a combination of all of them. Um, you know, first and foremost, we wanted people to try the product. And I think, you know, early on it was really almost kind of confusing for people because it was a new format of food the pouch thing wasn't really big yet. You know, now you see it a lot in baby food, but yep. it, people were like, what is this? I'm confused. I don't understand. So it was a lot of education, um, getting people to understand this is a healthy snack for on the go. Right. Um, get, you know, it's not just for babies, it's for kids. Um, and that was kind of a challenge at first, but we always kind of hoped that over time people would understand this new way of eating. Um, so the trial was the, the big thing. And still to this day, when we sample the product, we give people the whole pouch because we feel like if we give them a little spoonful, they're not really experiencing the product right. it's meant to be experienced. Right. And for those of you who don't know, GoGo Squeeze is in, in a small pouch that you can just squeeze, you squeeze it, you literally squeeze it right <laughs> up and you have the entire portion that way. It's actually totally convenient and very, very uh, portable and easy for kids to eat. I mean, I think that's also, so I, I get that uh, with the trial, were you able to equate, how did you then equate social to the, uh, increase in trials? Was it that you gave product away via social? Is that how you measured that in the best way possible? Yeah. In terms of trial. And then we also always had a digital coupon running so we could see how many people were actually going to the store and trying the product and redeeming the coupon. Um, but you know, Facebook and social media was more of an awareness play at the time. And then over time, 
you know, once we built a community, I mean, the community is over 600,000 brand lovers at this point. We started thinking about loyalty and, you know, how do we get these people to keep purchasing? So first it was about building it. And I know you mentioned uh, within Facebook specifically that you had started on Facebook before it was as much pay to play, right? As mo- as yeah. as advertising focused. As it became more advertising focused, did you participate in that? And what did you learn from that experience? Yeah, I think it's been kind of rough because being, you know, this was back in 2011 where you could have an organic post go crazy with no money behind right, it. Right, right. So these days it's it's almost a little bit sad to me because we have to pay to have that performance now where we were getting it for free before. Um, so it's been a challenge. I think over time, we definitely understand now that if we're going to be on Facebook, we have to pay to play. And it's not just about putting up content. It's putting up the right content. It's putting up the budget behind it. That's going to actually give you the, the results that you want. So in looking at your social today, from where you started, just a few people in an office and putting together a kind of concept of growing a community via Facebook. How many platforms are you on today and which is the most successful for you? So we're on five platforms, um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube. I would say the most important is definitely Facebook for a couple of reasons. Um, the first one is the people that we're targeting are most more likely to be on Facebook than any of those channels besides Pinterest. But, you know, you're kind of limited to how you can communicate on Pinterest. Yes. So we put most of our resources into that, mainly because of the size and, you know, what we can do with the, the platform. We're on Twitter. I would say Twitter and Instagram are tied for most usage. Um, Twitter is really interesting because we see a lot of teens that are really in love with Go-Go Squeeze on Twitter. Um, so the brand voice has to totally change on Twitter, but we still have to stay true to what we're, what we're coming after. But it's like slightly modifying it to appeal to these teens that are speaking to us because we want them to understand that we're kind of on their level too. Like we can have this whole fun conversation that they're having because for them, the product and the consumption of the product is like, it's ironically cool. I love that. <laughs> so how, that's so interesting. So you have to tap into the ironically cool and yet still maintain your kind of overall brand personality, which is really mostly for moms and kids. Right. That is so interesting. I love that. There's some really hilarious stuff on there. I have to say. That's awesome. So that's for entertainment purposes. Okay. I love <laughs> yeah. that for Twitter. Great. Um, Instagram it's really focused towards the mom on the go. Um, so a lot of our content is like, we've been working a lot with different influencers and having them provide us with real life photography of them and their families. Um, and I just feel like people really latch onto that because it's more realistic. It's not like the staged photo, it's just real life. And I feel like people, they just feel more towards that. You know, they, they can relate to it. That's great. That's great. And so in looking at all of the platforms and looking at everything that's happening with GoGo Squeeze, what's next for the brand? What's next? Um, I would say it would just to be continuing to tell our story. Um, I think we have a lot more to tell. I think there's been a lot of chatter in the food industry about where things come from and the sources of food. And we haven't really joined that conversation yet. And 
we have a really, really great story to tell. So I kind of think that that's the next phase of our chapter. That's fabulous. Okay. So now we've learned about Go-Go Squeeze. Let's learn a little bit more about Daniela. So tell me a little bit. You grew up in this real digital space, right? So you you came to school when uh, social was really just starting. And so you were kind of born into this era and you were there. Now talk to me about balancing social media personally. So because you're a social person who's worked in social media for many, many years now, do you find it difficult to shut off? You know, this has been a real struggle of mine in my life. Um, I would say yes, but over time I've kind of learned to create a balance for myself. Um, because social media is 24 hours, it's really, really hard not to always want to be working and checking and making sure that everything's okay for the company. Um, and I found that when I was doing that, I wasn't really making any time for myself and I right. just didn't have a separation between the two. So it was, it's been a real effort, um, over the past few years of just making sure that I have that balance, um, disconnecting when I can asking for help when I need it. Yep. Um, because that was a really big thing where I just wanted to do everything myself and it just, it just isn't feasible really in the end. Um, so I would say it makes me want to be less connected <laughs> when I'm not <laughs> at work because I, I, I don't know. I just want to be, I want to connect in real life with people. Yes. Um, yes. and I don't want to be staring at a phone or a computer. So yes. even just making the effort of when I'm at dinner, you know, putting my phone away and not being on my phone and actually having a conversation with a real person. Yep. You know, we get, we get a whole varied, uh, you know, level of answers to this. Like we get answers like I completely shut off because of it. And we get, I would never shut off. This is all I want to do all day, every day, you know? And I think the, the reality is that most people fall somewhere in between. And, and I think it, for me, at least your answer really resonated with me in that. Uh, I think that it just helps you be more cognizant of the desire to connect in person. You know, if you working yeah. in social, you know, gives you that desire and that that's ultimately a very, very good thing. I think it's just about finding that balance for you. I don't have an answer of what that is. I think it's different for every single person. So just a level of where you feel comfortable that things won't go crazy if you're not at a computer, but you know, you also have to think about yourself and being a better person because that'll make you a better employee at the end of the day. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So we've learned about you. We've learned about Go Go Squeeze. Now we are going to learn your perspectives on all things social with our very exciting game, Likeable versus Loathable. So today I'm going to name a couple of different things for you, and you're going to tell me whether or not they are likable or loathable. Are you ready, Daniela? I'm ready. Are you feeling it? <laughs> I'm kind of scared, but yeah. <laughs> it's going to be so good. Okay, ready? Yeah. Google Plus. Likeable, loathable. Uh, loathable. Totally <laughs> Just never agree. caught on. I don't know. I still get requests from people. I don't know where they're coming from. Right. I don't know who these people are. Uh, yeah, I'm over it. Agreed. Okay, erasable media, things like Snapchat, where the media disappears after you take it. Um, ask me a year ago, I would say loathable. I kind of like it now, mm -hmm. um, especially now that all these brands are on it and you can get like like news media. Um, I like watching the New York City one. I think you, it's a really great way to see what's going on in the day. Um, so I would say likable. Taking pictures of your food at restaurants. Uh, loathable. <laughs> <laughs> loathable. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just, it's no, no. <laughs> That's all I have to say. 
the live streaming movement? All like Meerkat, Periscope, all these things. Um, I want to say likable. I haven't really got into it yet. Um, I just feel like it's kind of overwhelming to me, but I think I'll get there like I got there with Snapchat. Okay. So you're slow, you're slow to adapt. I, I yeah. like that. Yeah, I, I, I want to make sure it's going to stick. Yeah, right. Let's put in all this effort. <laughs> right. Okay. And so it, with that, we'll end. Since you said you want to see if it'll stick, what do we think of selfie sticks? Oh man, <laughs> I have a likable slash loathable relationship with selfie sticks. Do you use a selfie stick? Okay, so I went on. <laughs> I went on a two week trip to Europe in July, and um, it pretty much saved my trip using the selfie stick. Okay. Because I was able to take so many pictures and not have to ask random strangers to take the picture and worry about like my phone getting stolen and everything. Right. Um, I felt like it was acceptable because pretty much everyone had a selfie stick. I would say loathable in America. I just feel like, no, it's, I don't know. I just cringe whenever I see someone using it here. And I know it's, it's probably sounds totally wrong. I actually really love this analysis. So it is like likable overseas, <laughs> loathable in America. I really, really appreciate that perspective, Danielle. I love it. And maybe it's the opposite for people coming overseas to us. They feel like it's likable, and when they're at home, it's totally loathable. So maybe it's just a thing when you're at home, it's loathable. Let's just put it. I like it. Edit Vaca- there. Vacation likable. Yeah, vacation At home, likeable. loathable. Yeah. At home, loathable. I love it. All right. So, Daniela, if people are to follow you and follow Go Go Squeeze, give me everywhere everyone could get in touch with you under the sun. I'm a big fan of LinkedIn, so you can get in touch with me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, Same with Go Go Squeeze, at Go Go Squeeze for all the handles. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, um, YouTube, Pinterest. Basically, we can find you everywhere. (laughs) Just Google it. I love it. Just Google it. Just Google me. All right, Daniela. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. It was a blast. And I'll just keep on chugging that go-go squeeze like nobody's business. (laughs) You've been listening to All the Social Ladies with Carrie Kerfin, CEO of Likeable Media. You can follow Carrie on Twitter, at Carrie Kerfin. To get current social media insights and great tips, Sign up for Carrie's weekly newsletter by emailing newsletter at likable.com. This podcast was brought to you by Likable Media. At Likable Media, we create, curate, and promote content that gets your brand results. Visit likable.com for more information today.